0: This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. Good morning. Wow, I'm a little uh, taller than Claire. Claire, can you give me an assistance? Or we'll really be in trouble. Thank you. Between Iraq and Afghanistan, I had the LASIK surgery. And so I could see, because the, it, the stuff they give you when you're, uh, the goggles you wear, if you have to wear glasses under them, they're not worth much. So I said, I'm going to get LASIK surgery, so I'll have better goggles. But it doesn't correct for aging. So, so I have reading glasses. I mean, there's some things that you just can't correct through surgery, and it's body's age. you know. I want to take just a few moments to talk about that video and talk about what it takes to support someone who comes up here and speaks every Sunday. I cannot say enough about Claire and Kevin and everything that goes into preparing this, from the newsletter to what you see up there. It's kind, it's kind of like You don't know a lot about what happens in the military or what happens in combat unless you know someone who's either been through it or that's in your family. And until you experience the drive, the creativity, the willingness to respond, the amount of work that goes in to doing this, you don't have an appreciation. And I'm very humbled and very honored that they do what they do every week, and I know that I've taken it for granted, but I don't plan to anymore, so I'd like to say that. i also like to say thank you to Judy for being willing to introduce me. Judy and my relationship began by a leap of faith from both of us. In response to a U-count request, and that's something that people can put send to Carol, and the U-count will go out if you need help, if you need assistance, it goes out. I arrived at her place ready to serve. You mean, because I had 39 years of service, I can serve. I I was ready to help her walk her dog, do whatever she needed as she was recovering from hip surgery, hip replacement surgery. Now, imagine my surprise, me being task-oriented there to serve, when during the course of our first meeting, she says to me, who would have thunk, who would have thought that through my vulnerability, Through my vulnerability, I get to meet new people and have new friends. I went, whoa, I didn't sign up for this, you know. (laughs) That was my reaction inside, because you don't share that out loud, you know. But that was my reaction. I was struck by her comments and her courage. Her courage to acknowledge that she needed help, and to reach out to total strangers. In that moment, I was given a gift, the possibility to create a relationship, to have a friend. In that moment, Judy became one of my heroes. Asking for help and being vulnerable is very hard for me. But Judy did it, and she was my hero. Benay Brown states, vulnerability sounds like truth and feels like courage. Truth and courage aren't always comfortable, but they're never weakness. Judy, aided by her, the encouragement of her biggest cheerleader, Unity Prayer Partner, Carol Fox, made a choice that was uncomfortable. She asked for help. Vulnerability and in that moment, and to ask for help not only changed her life, but it changed mine. It is spirit in action. Love of self, it is dynamic, love of another, and love of life. Before I begin my talk, as uh, Judy mentioned, I do, I'm part of the cleaning crew, And I did help her with her laundry and those kinds of things. So I have some housekeeping items, okay? And first, I want to draw your attention. I've placed a chair with a rose on it. It's an empty chair with a rose. As was mentioned, I served in the armed forces. If you were to go to any dining hall, any VFW, any Moose Lodge, you would see an empty chair with a plate in front of it. The chair and the mill are for those service members that were killed in combat, a training event, li- <clears throat> combat, training, or a life event. Their bodies are no longer here, but we hold a place for them. I practice this tradition when I present. I keep a place for those I've mentioned, but I expand it for those who couldn't be here today whether it be because of illness, vacation, work, or any reason they're not here to be physically present. While you may not be able to be here, this sanctuary, this moment, this community holds a place for you. And that's important. Secondly, I believe that this sanctuary is a sacred Nurture nurturing space that encourages those of us who enter to embrace all we are. Now think of that. You enter, it's a sacred place for us to embrace who we are. We embrace those traits we find pleasurable, we embrace those traits we've identified as challenges, and we discover new ones we never knew existed. I liken it to a womb, a safe place that sustains us as we change. Albeit it's a tad more crowded than my first womb experience. (laughs) It's a comfort knowing that those of us here and those of us watching and those who will watch later are one in spirit. We all possess different gifts and what we're doing is trying to figure out what they are. We're doing the best we can each day and each moment to live our lives. Lastly, the content expressed here is not a re- reflective of any organization I belong to or have been affiliated with. The material I exp- talk about today, the experiences I discussed today, the challenges I present to you today, are from the ramblings of a person, a human, me, who's working hard to unlearn. I say again, working hard to unlearn that which does not sustain me or support me, or support my belief that we, now look around, all of us, look around at each other, We are one in spirit. We are one in spirit. And that one who believes we are all worthy and good. Now, you may have noticed I'm not Reverend Jane, okay? She's just a little bit shorter than I am. (laughs) Now, I value Reverend Jane and know that she has a vision that the unity community of Central Oregon is an inclusive, welcoming community. We are all of one spirit, living in human bodies, striving to find and express our gifts. I am grateful for her willingness to share these Sunday mornings with others who may want to serve those who attend this wild sanctuary by speaking. It is a testimony to her commitment to the principle we, each and every one of us, have a place here. We have a place to figure out what our gifts are. I also know that Reverend Jane has been a gift to many people. We hear it often. I also know that Reverend Jane believes we are a gift to her. In fact, I would wager if you look around this room, we are a gift to each other. We bring a myriad of life experiences, a multitude of skill sets, a vast array of different ways of problem solving, perceiving and living, yet together We stand, we create unity. And that was important for me to talk about, for me to express. We are unity. We make it work. We accept change. We accept the challenge to look at and change ourselves, creating a safe environment for all. You agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah! That's ma'am, that's right! Now, over the past months, we've heard from a variety of speakers. Reverend Jane, Kevin, Sylvia, William, Donna, Susan, Ellie, Anato, each bringing us unique messages, each working hard to create unique messages of healing, ideas, in each of these presentations, I listen and apply it to me. I feel what has been said and ask, what does this reveal to me and about me? Are there ideas that I can try? Are there things to support myself on my journey in their talks? All of their words are carefully presented and presented with enthusiasm, care, support, and passion. What I do with these ideas is really up to me. What you do with what's presented is up to you. The starting place for me was to understand who I am. Thus, today's discussion. Now, wasn't that a lead-in? One of the things we know, it's important to build a strong foundation or you're just going to shift in sand, right? That's right. My talk today entitled, Mirror, Mirror on the Wall, What You See May Influence All, has evolved from the first time I had a desire to speak. In fact, as I've listened and absorbed what's going on today, it's evolved even more. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? A quote from Mother Teresa states, in the final analysis, it is between you and God. I paraphrase it to say, in the final analysis, it is between you and the divine. When you look in the mirror, since we are all of spirit and we are all of divine, do you see the divine? Do you see spirit? Whose voice do you hear? Remember when I said the content of today is from a person who, get this, is unlearning over all of these years, unlearning what I've told has been important. What i told what has not been important to achieve, succeed, what it is to be important, and what it is to wear to make sure you look important. Now, I want you to know my dogs barked at me when they saw me in these clothes. <laughs> they said, where are your irrigation boots? Where... They did. They said, we're not letting you out of this house. You can't go out in public like that. <laughs> and I did all that I could not to come in here looking like a Great Pyrenees. Because, you know, if you have Pyrenees and wolfhounds, shed happens. And so <laughs> so I made sure I, you know, saram wrapped all of my car inside so I wouldn't come out looking like a Great Pyrenees. But anyway, so who do you see when you look in the mirror? You know, I'm unlearning what I've been told is important. Who are you? I'm not asking what you do for work. I'm not asking what you do for play. I'm not asking for what you do in service. I'm asking you, who are you? You know, Judy talked about a lot of things I've done. 39 years in the military, I worked in corrections, I worked in social services, I did a variety of things that tells you what I'm capable of. It doesn't tell you who I am. It's like an occupation is like a set of clothes. you know. And what, what we know about what we see in each other, when you see me, may not be what I see in me. So that's what's important. We need to go back to when you look in that mirror, who do you see? There's a quote by Joanne Didion, and I love it and I often smile when I read it. She says, I've already lost touch with a couple of the people I used to be. <laughs> and think about that. I've already lost touch. Thus, in the present moment, on March 26th at 1110, is that what it is? Who are you? Who are you? Are you satisfied with what you see? Will you ever be satisfied? Does what you see in the mirror influence your perception of your life? Do your thoughts and feelings about your reflection impact the events in your life? I believe that what we experience and who we see in the mirror does. We all have had events that were joyful, like you get get to come to unity, you get to be part of a community that supports each other, the birth of a child, There are lots of things that are joyful, but there's lots of things that are challenging. It's human nature to cling to the positive and resist that which is challenging. You see, in response to these events, we develop preferences. We develop beliefs about what we think the world is, about ourselves, about others. By holding on to these, we create an illusion. We influence our present moment. We end up not experiencing the here and now. Now take a moment and think about the past 72 hours. That would put you back about Thursday, right? If I'm if I'm correct. Did those hours unfold like you thought they would? Were there any surprises? Were there any things that are always the same? In response to those events, did you ever think, I'm not going to do that again? Oh, she's always like that. Why did that person cut in front of me? You know, these statements are indications that we're not living in the present moment. We have brought a past event into the present. We are not letting go. We're not open to new possibilities. Our thinking is the hardest thing to change it's the most rigid part of us to change now let's take a moment to look uh, to review the way many ways we change Kevin would you do me a okay now audio visual is always important I happen to enter what's a kernel without a laser you know (laughs) where's where's my red one and then you go one more Kevin and then I can come back to this one Okay, very good. All right, can we go back to the other one? All right, I may be stating the obvious, but you notice my body changed. <laughs> now, I may take a leap and say, you know what? Chances are, as you've aged, your body's changed. We may have feelings about our bodies, but we do recognize that our bodies change, right? Would you rec- your body- has your body changed since you were a little kid? Yeah, we've grown. We've changed clothes. We've had to do different things. We may be experiencing different actions, successes, and reactions to who we are. Now, I want to. This picture right here. See that smiley face. Now imagine. Here I am. Now I know Jane and Reverend Jane, one of her things, says, "Do you remember the belief that you know, children are born of sin?" Well, I want to point out about by about 18 months, there I was in a garden an orchard, with both hands, eating an apple, okay? (laughs) So maybe that's when sin started for me, I don't know. (laughs) But I can tell you, can you imagine my mother, I'm the fourth child, and every day, guess what I would do? And sometimes she couldn't find me, guess where she found me? Dragging my chair, I walked early, like at nine months, and so, I was pulling my chair, I'd eat that. So Sometimes she was exasperated with me. So do you think I might remember that? No, I might remember that. Now this is my older brother, there was four of us. Now here he is, 11 years old, 12 years old, and guess who he has in his basket? (laughs) Now as an older sibling, did you ever have your kids, your younger ones, hang out with you? Were you excited about it? No. And I can't ask my brother about it because he died right after Iraq. But I know in his face, he's like, I have to drive this kid around. But I want you to notice I'm in the basket, no helmet, nothing to protect me. So it prepared me for my life in Iraq, being driven around by the young studs who are my drivers. And we drove it like stole it. So it was a mixed blessing there, you know. (laughs) Now here I am. I look angelic, don't I? Every Sunday I would get in trouble because i tried to let the dogs in the church service because my dad was a minister. (laughs) And sometimes I was successful. Other times, and this is also the same person who would take naps with her mother, and one day had a jar full of caterpillars and woke up first and decided to dump them while the mom was still sleeping. (laughs) It didn't end well for me. But you can see there are certain things that happened that I was exposed to the youngest child, riding in the thing, growing up. And this dress here, There were, I had two older sisters, and guess what? We all wore that dress. We were poor. So you imagine sometimes poor in people who are poor get a lot of things said to them. So the next slide, if you would, please, Kevin. Here I am. And... I was going to wear this today, but you heard on the video at the very last time I'm complaining about my foot. Trying to get my foot at this point into a pair of pumps is, would be masochistic. Yeah. And so if you want to see me in this, please come to Deschutes Memorial Garden on Memorial Day. I'll be giving the uh, Memorial Day uh, speech again. And here I am in that, and those are... Um, This was when I was a colonel. Here I am in Afghanistan. I was a dual carrier. Who knows what a dual carrier is? Not not a disease, (laughs) okay? A dual carrier, you'll see my pistol and you see my rifle. So that means on my body armor, I carried the basic load for both weapons in addition to the plates, in addition to the first aid. So it was about 140 pounds. And every day it'd have to put that on. And it kind of got hot sometimes in Afghanistan. It kind of got hot in Iraq. I mean I have a picture of me in Iraq that was 135 degrees. Now you also one of the things that was in the bio in the newsletter, but not mentioned today is I challenged the military's policy for against gays, lesbians. Um, yeah. Back in 1993, and if you ever have a chance to read the history, that was under the first President Bush, and then Clinton came in, made it worse for us, but I managed to successfully challenge it. I was a captain then, and then how many years later, 93 to 2016, when I was medically retired, I went from captain to major to lytic, tunic colonel to colonel. And you know, I don't do closeted very well, <laughs> and so I never hid, and I never made. Sh- I, ne- I I never did, and so imagine all that body weight, all those years that I had to hear about gays, lesbians, bisexuals, all of those things you get subjected to when people don't know who you are. But yet, if they were close to me, they knew me. The people who served in Iraq, if Major Slater's on, on a Zoom or Sergeant Marnie, who was my driver, they knew. I if they asked me, I wasn't going to not tell you. And then this, of course, is me with one of my goats. That's Chili Baden. And he see his smile? He's a buck. And I just took him out of the, the doze. <laughs> so he's feeling quite proud of himself. And, and that's my life nowadays. And so if you take... That's good, Kevin. Thank you. So we hear different messages, as you can imagine, through that lifespan, I heard different messages. What we hold on to, what we cling to, what we resist over time begins to alter our experience. For example, never being good enough, or doing enough, or being successful. I never did it well enough. I was 10 years old when my, when my father died. My mother admitted later that she really hated having kids. So when he died, she decided it was her chance to get involved in the community. She happened to be a teacher, but she's also a very brilliant woman. She became president of the Nebraska Mental Health Advisory Board, which meant she was gone almost one evening a week for years and several weeks in the summer. And she was also a teacher, so she had continuing education requirements. Any teachers in here? There are certain things you have to do to keep your licensure. So she was gone a lot. And at that age, we were, I w- we were poor, so I was already working in a, a home for elders in the kitchen. But when I heard she was coming home, I'd clean the house. i tried try to make it spotless, and I believed it was. But every single time she came home, guess what? She found one thing. One time it was a pee in the dish drain. I failed to clean the house well enough. The scenario was repeated over and over and over again. Looking back at that young age, I knew then I couldn't do things well enough, no matter how hard I tried. My dad had died, my mom was gone, I better rely only on myself. If I wanted my meals to be cooked, my clothes to be washed, if I wanted to get ready for school, my gosh, I better do it myself. Years later, I still never thought I could do enough. It drove me into service and it wasn't service, service above self. It was service in place of self. So where do you find that balance that service becomes an expression of self? You quit putting yourself aside and you embrace service. Now take a moment and think about preferences. Do you have preferences about how do you organize your kitchen? What happens if I were to come in and move everything in your kitchen? (laughs) Yeah, because you go automatically to the drawer where the spoons are without thinking, guess what? You're not in the moment. Think about, do you organize your office? Is there a way you like the light switches to go on and off? The house that I bought, some of them are the opposite. And you know what? I have to be in the moment if I'm going to switch on those, lo- those light switches. We all possess preferences. Preferences set up the moment. Preferences, we find ways to support these preferences, these beliefs about the world, beliefs about ourself. They impact our life. An example of what happens when we allow and reinforce these preferences, now think about it. Has anybody ever had a sprained ankle, back spasms, broken leg, broken bone? Have you any of, no, yes? Anything where you've had an injury? So as you go through that, you walk differently. You may use your arms differently. You may experience the world differently. You experience the pain. You move to avoid the pain. You do it long enough, and guess what? You tolerate the pain long enough, and when you start to heal, you don't not only treat the injury, but you have to treat the parts of your body that overcompensated while you were in that pain. Hold on to your preferences long enough, and they can shrink your world. Now, with this COVID situation where everybody isolated, I was quite comfortable with that. I had deployed four or five times and been by myself. Everything was the same. It became a way that wasn't a challenge for me. The challenge for me might be to be around people. You know, Annie Lennox has a quote, a thing in her song, dying is easy, it's living that scares me to death. Being alone was easy. I mean, I look at what I had for company. And, and they're, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Jane, I'm going. We cannot solve our problems with the same thinking that we use to create them. That's what Albert Einstein said. This quote had a profound impact on me. I decided I needed to change. Given this epiphany, I recognized that I must first look at self. As I grew, I realized that all of us were doing the best that we could and I began to forgive myself and others. At Unity Community of Central Oregon, it is known that we are—we as individuals change. Look around, how blessed we are to be in such a meeting, such a community of people who recognize this. In fact, our first commitment as members is to pledge to see and treat community members and other attendees as part of my spiritual body. If I'm triggered, I look at myself. Those are preferences. Reverting back to my old ways is kind of easy at times. I don't know if you've ever done that. I choose to recognize that these old beliefs can be a problem. And what a great thing. We have an opportunity to be part of this organization, to forgive others and ourselves, to learn to be like the sun rising and setting. I see miracles every day. Look around and see the miracles in your life. Being able to change is a miracle. To start anew, a gift. In closing, Deborah Brody said it best. Seeing a miracle will inspire you but knowing you're a miracle will change you. Thank you.